Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I felt like my thighs were the biggest thing on earth. And I, instead of seeing my body as like the vessel that's helping me perform on the soccer field, I saw it as like, oh, I'm so heavy. I'm this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, I avoided wearing jeans because I really felt like I, it it amplified my thighs, you know, stuff like that, where I'm like looking back and wishing I didn't say such mean things to myself. It's crazy. When you look back, it's like, why did I focus so much on this? Hey everybody. And welcome to real pod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everybody. I hope you're doing lovely. I am eager to share today's conversation with all of you because I really believe it can go a long way. If I were able to listen to this conversation back when I was playing volleyball at USC or my freshman year as a student athlete, even in high school, it really would have gone a long way because at the time, and probably similar to how some of you might be feeling, I thought I was the only one going through it. I thought I must be the only one who has body image issues. I must be the only one who's self-conscious in my uniform. I must be the only one who's really anxious for practice or scared to ask for help with my mental health issues. But really, everyone is experiencing their own struggle in some way, and you're not the only one. And in today's conversation, we're going to dive into a variety of problems that female athletes face. To talk about these problems, we have the one and only Soccer Girl Probs squad in the house today. I'm so excited. Alana, Shannon, and Carly are all here. Many of you know them as the Lady Ballers. You all are Lady Ballers. And they have founded the wildly successful and popular brand Soccer Girl Probs. They are known for their hilarious takes on the universal struggles that female athletes experience and their ability to candidly share those experiences via viral YouTube videos, Instagram memes, and spot-on tweets. Their whole brand started by just being honest about the struggles and the problems they were facing as soccer girls, hence soccer girl probs. I'm so excited. We're holding nothing back on this episode. We are about to dive into female athlete body image, comparison and competition, mental health stigma, brand building as student athletes, why it's important to utilize your platform, and so much more. One last thing I want to say real quick is we're doing a pod swap this week. So I'm also going to be on Soccer Girl Probs this Friday. So if you love this episode, I'm going to be interviewed on their podcast on Friday. So we have a full week for you guys about female athlete problems. We love it. We're bringing stigmatized conversations to the forefront and we're going to get so real. I'm excited to show you guys this episode today and then make sure you check out me on Soccer Girl Probs podcast this Friday. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Well, hello, Lady Ballers. I'm so excited to be with you today. I've been thinking about this all week. I'm like, I'm going to sit down with three other athletes and we can just vent about everything. (laughs) How's your uh, morning going? It's really good. We're laughing because we always talk over each other. Yeah, I was trying not to. 
we're really good. We wish we could all be in the same spot right now talking to you. But yeah, we're excited to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm pumped to have you. It's funny you mentioned that because this is so exciting for me. It's usually just me and a guest. And I was like, going into this so excited because there are so many personalities and so many voices. And last time or when we recorded for your podcast, it was just flowing and so organic. So I'm really excited. (laughs) Get ready for a lot of interrupting each other. (laughs) I have planned a few big topics that I think encompass just being a college athlete and a female athlete. And I was hoping that we could just jump in and then all kind of just share our stories and relative topics and kind of make this a very all-encompassing, informative, real discussion about things female athletes face in college. So are you guys down for that? Yeah, let's do it. So diving right in, let's just, we're not even holding back at all. Body image, let's go there. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys experience any body image issues or stresses as female athletes? And was that amplified at the college level? Or what were your various journeys like with with that? I feel like the easier question to answer would be, have you not experienced? I feel like across the line, (laughs) all female athletes on some level experience uh, some sort of issues with body image. But yeah, I think like you were saying, it's super magnified at the collegiate level. And I don't know what it is exactly if there's just the added aspect of performance plus the normal issues with body, like regardless, just society in general is going to impose some sort of body image pressures on you. But then I don't know if it's trying to balance that with the pressures of performing at a certain level that almost bring it to like an extreme point. But I feel like it's definitely amplified and I'm not even exactly sure why. Yeah. I, I personally dealt with so much like bad self body image issues. I mean, I just remember like we spoke about this with you last time, but just my, I felt like my thighs were the biggest thing on earth. And instead of seeing my body as like the vessel that's helping me perform on the soccer field, I saw it as like, Oh, I'm so heavy. I'm this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, I just remember day to day, like I avoided wearing jeans because I really felt like I, it amplified my thighs, you know, stuff like that, where I'm like looking back and wishing I didn't say such mean things to myself. And I know I, Alana and Shannon could probably agree. Like, crazy when you look back. It's like, why did I focus so much on this? Speaking of the legs, I was watching your (laughs) shit soccer girl say YouTube video and the person just trying to put on jeans for 20 minutes (laughs) was was the funniest thing ever um, and so relatable. It takes like half a day to get it past the calves. And then, (laughs) you know, what's funny, like you bringing that up, that was a big thing for me, even like Growing up, I always had big thighs. So going back to school shopping and we would get like two pairs of jeans, me and my mom, I never left without crying. Like I was always so self-conscious because every girl I went to school with had these little legs and then I had these huge muscular legs and I just felt so like ashamed of it. And I remember I used to have to get my pants altered because my thighs were so big and my waist was so small. And like even the cleaning lady, like the cleaners lady would like laugh, you know, at how much space there was in my waist. It was just like terrible. And I think that started in middle school, but even through college, I was so self-conscious of being like one of the bigger females on our team. And my coaches loved it because that was a huge part of my game was being a big body and using my strength to my advantage. And I just was so envious of everyone else who could, you know, fake lifting weights in the gym and look so skinny and still play well. And I was like, why can't I do that? But I think we talked about it last week. Like you said, the girls on your team who were the strongest, they were doing the best because they, Mm -hmm. they were using their bodies for what they were supposed to do. And I wish I learned that earlier, not to have like such, such issues with myself throughout college. Cause it was just an added stress. The dressing room cry is so relatable. I just feel like every girl has been in the dressing room, cried. Mine was jeans as well. I just, I don't know. I still don't fit into most jeans in stores. And it's weird because people will look at me and say, oh no, you look like a healthy, whatever kind of girl. And I'm like 31, 32 and something's weird about it. And then I just can't buy jeans there. So I still run into that issue even now. You know, we were saying too, is like, well, so we obviously have a clothing line and we'll always get unisex clothes for the most part, just maybe because people feel a bit more comfortable in them, but we'll always like come out with a new shirt we always take one for ourselves. And sometimes we'll 
all, all take a large. And I'm looking around the room. I'm like, something is wrong with this. That like, not that there's anything wrong with the sizes, but like that I, I would consider us to all be healthy, very average body types that should just, there should be bigger and smaller than us. And I, sometimes I'm like, I need, I need bigger, like these shorts fit me weird or like, this is too tight or this yes. shirt's too narrow on me. And I'm like, that should, that should be the norm. You know, there's a negative connotation with the sizing numbers and the names. And I used to be so obsessed with it. Like when I remember first getting to USC, it was everyone put your spandex size down mm. and it's like your Jersey size. And I wanted to be small, 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 because that's just like, you know, there's always that one girl that's like, I'll take the small shirt. <laughs> and so you think you need to be that. And then I slowly obviously change and I'm like, large, extra large. Like, I don't care. I'm not going to change my body to fit the clothes. I'm going to get clothes that fit my body. Nothing's worse than when you get men's shorts for soccer because they're such long, tight legs. Whenever we go to events, we're all ripping the legs of the shorts. Like, like trying to like, I, this is my thing. I would always go like this to like, try and pull apart the like leg. But it's just, I'm it's, sorry, I'm laughing because <laughs> Shannon, Shannon and I, when actually Alana, you were there, we were playing in a night. I remember event. Shannon and I, Shannon and I went to the bathroom and we were ripping, ripping the it. shorts to be bigger because we felt so self-conscious. I was like, I can't step on the field. I'm going to throw up. People are going to like judge me. That's how I felt. And it's so crazy. It's so crazy. But like Shannon, yeah, like, first of all, women are different than men. So they definitely shouldn't you shouldn't have to wear men's shorts. Like that's for a male's body, but I don't know. It's just wild. Sorry. I didn't need to like cackle into the. <laughs> I, I wonder if a store would ever just not have size. Well, I guess it would just take too long to try on, but if you could just try on jeans mm. and just see what actually felt good instead of like focusing on the size. Cause I still or do they that. renamed it. They renamed yeah. it like cool, like names. And something that also is a huge problem is so Alana, you just mentioned you're a large and you think, you know, in, we all understand like why you're thinking, hmm, that's a little weird. Think about the um, if we are taking the biggest sizes. If I'm walking into Urban Outfitters and I have the largest size jean and it still doesn't fit me, and I look to society as a body type that's maybe yeah. close to the standard, like, and I have thin privilege, how many other women like literally just can't even shop at those stores? Yeah, I, that's exactly what messes with my head. It's crazy and it's not okay. And I like recently have been, if I order clothes from a store and I get like a large and it's snug on me, I stop buying from there because I'm like, this is so exclusive. And the amount of people that can't fit into your clothes, like, I don't, I don't want to put my money here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. How did you guys learn to appreciate your bodies through these struggles, through feeling like your legs were big and all of those things? Did you get to a place in college where you could appreciate it or did that come later for you? Mine was later. I came after. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Isn't that messed I think up? Most yeah. people are. How messed up is that? Like when I think about like, fine, in middle school, you should be like messed up in the head. And then high school, you should be starting to figure it out. And then by the time you get to college, it should be literally the peak moment where you accept yourself, you, you learn how to have confidence on the field and everything. And I feel like that's when people are having the most problems with it. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. college was the height of my not feeling comfortable with myself, you know, yep. and not, and, and not appreciating a strong body. I mean, if we had that figured out beforehand, like the difference that that would make. Yeah. I think social media, I mean, it still has flaws and issues, but I think that has changed. Like when we were in school, Instagram was only the skinny models, the Victoria's Secret models and all that. And I think now there's a lot of more like positive body image influencers out there. So hopefully that helps with girls who are in college now. But I feel like mine wasn't until I tore my ACL and I missed my muscular legs. And I was like, oh wow, it's gone now. I miss it. So I think that was the moment. (laughs) Don't you feel like you're always looking back you're like, you're always looking back and you're like, why did I think this way during this time? And like, it's true. It wasn't until after we graduated where I started caring about my health. And I was like, I care so much about the health of my body. Like, I'm not going to starve myself to, to look a certain way or, you know, to be considered skinny. Like, I want to like give my body what it needs to just survive daily tasks and like getting good sleep and stuff. And that's stuff that like athletes don't really... I, I mean, from what we've seen, like they don't really know much about taking care of themselves and thinking about their bodies in a way of being like, like I said before, like a vessel that actually helps them 
perform. Like you're, you're a soccer player. You need to be able to be strong enough, fast enough, you know, stick with the game, like with endurance wise and all of that. And like, if you're starving yourself just to be skinny, like other people, you are not going to succeed and reach your goals. And the looking back fact is so true. I'm, you're always, oh, I wish I looked the way I did in middle school. I looked the way I did in high school. I looked the way I did freshman year of college. And then you Mm -hmm. graduate and you're like, I wish I looked the way I did senior year because I was Olympic lifting and training all the time. And that has been a big thing for me. I think, I forget which one of you said you missed your muscles. Maybe, I think it was you, Shannon, when you got your injury. I recently have just felt weak. It's not anything to do with how my body looks because I've really tried to detach from like that appearance mindset, but I feel weak and I don't feel muscle in my legs. And I, I feel my butt move as I walk because like, it's just like a little jiggly and I'm used to feeling <laughs> like firm muscular legs. And I got to used to that. And so now it's like, I want to get back into physical fit shape because I want to feel strong and I want to be able to walk upstairs and not pant. And so kind of navigating that post-grad has been tough for me. What was that transition like for you all? Did you continue working out once you graduated? Did you take a year off and then have to get back into it? Because it's difficult to navigate. I don't think I ever stopped, but my perception of it definitely changed. Like I think I I never wanted to... Uh, I guess I didn't appreciate true strength when I was playing college. And then in hindsight, like looking back and comparatively now, I feel like I'm way stronger than I was then. And I wish I would, I wish back then I was the way I am now in terms of just like the way I train and, and all of that. But I, I personally didn't take any time off afterwards just because that was a part of it that I loved. What about you guys? So for me, I think I, I just really focused on changing why I w- wanted to work out because yeah. for, for a while after college, I was like, I can't be working out two hours a day every day. It's not happening in the real world after school. It's also not my job now to do that. So I've actually changed my mindset where I'm like, I want to work out for my longevity. I want to be old, like you said, and be able to like pick yourself up out of a chair and like maintain your muscle mass without over-exercising. And I'm finding that like, I have a healthier relationship with exercise more now than I ever have. I mean, I always over-exercised. I probably still do at some points, but in college, after practice, I would go and run on the treadmill for two hours. Like I was so obsessed with doing so much cardio and lifting. I did that, but it was purely for body image. Like I ran treadmill after practice to lose mm-hmm. the fat that I felt like I had. I didn't go run treadmill to get faster <laughs> than the other girls. My, well, mine was probably a mixture. And, and then when I did tear my ACL, it kind of made me realize I tore my ACL because I was over-exercising, because I was working out two hours a day, walking 10 miles in the city, then running, you know, biking to a soccer game downtown. And I was like, I need to slow down because I'm going to get injured if I keep doing that. So I still have to tell myself to chill sometimes, but I definitely think I want to be old and be able to do things and not feel, you know, like everything hurts. (laughs) Yeah. And don't you feel like it always stems back to your intention? Like, like you were saying, Victoria, if you are doing something out of hate of your body, that is not sustainable and it's not going to serve you. So it's like, why am I doing this? Maybe Shannon, you're going for a run because it's actually mentally good for you. Like you need to do it for your mental health. That's great. Then you do it out of love and like less battling yourself and bashing your body. And it's more out of self-love. So that mindset shift, like I wish that we, you know, experienced that more in college. Thank you guys for sharing. It is something that is so relatable. And like you said in the beginning, it does apply to, I think, all female athletes at one point or another, whether it stems from you or it's that coach that says we're all going to weigh in or that nutritionist that says your body fat percentage should be this. And then you learn and you either it triggers you or now you're hyper-focused on it. And then kind of the spiral starts from there. The next thing I wanted to talk with you guys about, and it's something that I definitely experienced. I get the vibe that you guys had great team experiences and team cultures because of just the way you three are with each other and you played together. But have you experienced difficult team cultures or mean teammates? And how have you dealt with that? Yeah, I think that we each have dealt with players like that. And we always say, we wrote it in our book, but like players like that, you have to think are, first of all, they're super unhappy with themselves. So you have to remember that. 
And like what they say or do to you, like it's not about you. It's about their issues. So it's more, I don't know. I feel like we always say like, if that's considered like a poison on your team, really try and distance yourself or find a way like that is a good way to communicate with them so that you guys are on the same page or understanding. Because I feel like a lot of times, like all of these problems on teams are because of miscommunications or like, you know, certain egos, like we were talking about last, you know, last week about egos, like there are egos on the team that may hurt other people's feelings. But meanwhile, you have to remember, like, that's, that's their internal struggle, I guess you can say. I mean, that would be what I I would say to that. I would say that we definitely had toxic teammates, not, you know, just a few of them. Most, most of our teammates were amazing, but I think that unless we dealt with it and in a healthy way, it just really just like has a, mm-hmm. an effect on everyone. And if you keep letting that person do that, it's going to make the team morale down. So, I mean, we definitely had a few situations where even you, you have to go to your captains or you have to go to your coaches and just say, this is unhealthy for our team or this person's not helping our team. They're, they're not being a team player, which it definitely happened a couple yeah. times. But for the most part, we had, we, had, we had 30 great girls and you have one bad, you know, one bad seed. <laughs> That can kind of just rot everything. (laughs) Literally, though. Did any of you ever feel left out or excluded? Because with this, it kind of sounds like from a position of feeling empowered, like there's a few bad eggs and you just navigate around them. But throughout maybe your club, high school experience or college, did any of you ever feel, "Hmm, I feel like the oddball or I feel like I'm not with the cool girls or I'm not being included? I was going to say, one thing about our college experience, too, is I we were all, all naturally really competitive. And I think that that's a great characteristic to have, but I think competitiveness was like forced upon us kind of like it was, it became an extremely competitive environment. Like everything we ever did, every score you ever got in a fitness test was posted up on the wall. It practice was always bench versus starters. You knew if you were in the good group or if you were in the bad group and it made people super competitive with each other. Like it made me not like people that I had no reason to not like just because the environment I felt became competitive to the point of being unhealthy where like uh, people I, and you could feel like people almost wish other people would do worse so that they could do better, you know, or get injured. I think the darkest thought I've ever had about competition. I like, I'm scared to say this. I I never did this, but like when you really want (laughs) to play and you want that spot and there's, you're competing, like you can't help. Yes. But wish that like they do poorly. And I remember one time thinking like, what if someone just, you know, fed her like laxatives, like something (laughs) like that. I'm like, just right before the game. I'm like, I never obviously did that, but I had, my thoughts went to a dark place. I'll admit it because competition can drive you mad. Yeah. It sounds like a bad lifetime movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I think that's so true. And like, yeah. Oh, just when, when there becomes like that clear line of separation, I feel like you get this side versus that side. And that to me was the little bit of toxicness that I felt. And it was almost like impossible to avoid it because every day you were pinned against against the same people where you almost forgot at times that we're on the same team, like going yeah. for the same goals. What I'm recognizing from this conversation is that it's things that are out of your control and what your coach, you know, mm-hmm. has structured for you. And it's horrible. And it's something that like maybe ne- not necessarily you can change in all situations, but it just goes back to like, how can we see the situation, but not let it like, poison our mindset or our mentality. Cause I think that's like where most of us struggled so much. We took things like the slightest you know, things or bigger things and just blew it up in our own mind yeah. and made it so much worse than it probably was. Yeah. And it causes us to play poorly because now my whole mind is consumed with this other girl so far so that it's to the point of wishing maybe something bad happens, like, which is terrible. And that was the detriment of me playing poorly as well, because I was obsessed and threatened by the success of someone else. So by my junior, senior year, I was working on switching to that mindset of like, okay, your success is inspiring to me. Your success is going to push me. Like, I want you to do well. So our team does well. And like actively Mm -hmm. trying to claw your way from that. Everything is happening to me as opposed to for me mindset. Yeah. Do you guys think that this all stems from not feeling like loved or appreciated by your teammates or your coach? A hundred percent. Right. Think about it. If you internally felt good enough as you are 
outside competition, you would never let that negatively inhibit you from, you know, or you never let it ruin your headspace. But yeah, if you, yes, if everything was, everything is looking for approval from your coach. It's like insane to the point where I couldn't even walk in the coach's office without literally like (laughs) feeling like I couldn't speak because I was so choked up when I didn't even know what we were going to talk about. Like that's insane. You're like about to cry as you knock I, on the door. You're about literally, to cry. I would get, I couldn't even get the words out. They'd be looking at me like, are you all right? Like take a breath. And it's like, why am I working myself up so much? We're so in our heads oh. and it's so, we're t- sometimes toxic to ourselves. Yeah. It's, it, it needs to stop. <laughs> I definitely think it does stem from that. Carly, I think that's a really good point. I sought so much validation from my teammates and I just cared so much about like, reputations and the commentary around certain players. And we would scout teams if they would say I was a libero. So if they were like, oh, that libero is so good. Or if that libero did stuff on film, we were scouting. They were like, that girl's insane. I was sitting there like, am I not insane? Like, do you guys not think I'm good? Like literally I would, I would get such imposter syndrome. And then Mm -hmm. it course made me feel vulnerable when I was competing with people because I didn't feel like anyone really cared about maybe what I brought to the team. And that's obviously my anxiety speaking. That's not how they felt. But it just goes to show. Shannon, I see you're nodding. Do you relate to this? <laughs> no, I was just going to say on top of that, like we, I felt like the same way. And especially because we started soccer probs in college. So whenever we were playing teams and they recognized us, I always felt an added pressure to be better because mm-hmm. I don't want them to think we're frauds for being soccer probs and not being the best one on the field. So I felt like that was even like more of a mind game because we had that to deal with as well. Just think about it. Like the more and more you are, well-known or on social media or like even for you Victoria like you're you're in the limelight people are talking about you there's so much added pressure and actually like I did talk to an energy coach who we're working with on our new program coming out for anxiety and he helped me understand that like we put so much pressure on ourselves and it makes us feel like imposters because we're like if we're not living this daily life of being perfect and being role models then we're not real and like, meanwhile, we're human. We have to remember that. Like, you're going to mess up and make mistakes. But if you're speaking your truth, which, Victoria, you are excellent at. Like, <laughs> I was just thinking, should I edit out the thing about the laxatives? That's terrible. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not. No, like, that's no. who I am, whatever. <laughs> no, this is the real stuff that people need to hear because, like, you're, you know, like, you're helping coach people with their mental health. And they need to hear that you're experiencing struggles, too. Like, that is how you know that you're human and that you're, you're continuing to work on yourself all the time. Like we're never going to like reach that point of being perfect. We're always working on ourselves. And yeah, that really hits home. I think my biggest insecurity at least, and this would be interesting to share, like maybe what you guys, what fans or supporters tell you about yourself that makes you like mm, cringe a little bit because you're like, mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's me. And like, I think I am a positive person. I am. But when I hear it so much from people who follow me, I just think like, I'm not always happy. Like I get snippy with my parents. Like I'm not always. And so it just makes me feel, it's hard to explain, but can you relate to that? Like someone tells you you're something and you, you are like, but you're also human. (laughs) So for soccer girl props, I feel like I don't necessarily feel this way because I do think that we we've been authentic since the start and that's why we are successful. Like we always said what we were thinking, but when it comes to like, I'm also a health coach and there were times when I would health coach others and give them advice, but I wasn't taking that advice. And that's Mm. where I was like, I'm a fraud. You shouldn't feel that you're a fraud, but that's where the imposter syndrome comes in. Cause I'm like, I'm telling this person not to drink, but here I am drinking on a weekend. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) things like that, where you're just like, okay, I need to stop putting so much pressure on myself. And that's where you can, like we were saying, like be negative to to yourself and add to your own issues. Yeah, that's true for sure. you got to practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, that's why I try to at least post things that are saying like not having a great day, or sometimes I can't think myself out of a bad mood because it is the truth, but it's comforting to know you guys relate. Another question I wanted to ask you kind of about this is soccer girl probs was started. Like upperclassmen years as you guys, and it was, it was blowing up as you guys were kind of graduating, but it's since been like five or six years since college. And you guys have still been able to create and build this brand and grow it and be soccer girl probs, not being college soccer players anymore. (laughs) And that is something I definitely struggled with was, Oh, I'm graduated. And you know, what can I offer now in the volleyball world? 
I've since realized there's a ton, but what was that experience like for you all? And how have you kind of grown with that identity? I'm going to say, I feel like in the beginning, it was very much so for our own personal, like venting experiences, like bonding experiences. We would kill time during preseason, taking videos and doing it for laughs and everything. But I think we all three of us always talk about that as we grew older and graduated, we started to realize that it was having a positive impact on people and that we kind of felt a social responsibility to now these younger girls who were kind of looking to us and feeling more confident in themselves or feeling like they weren't the only ones that were going through problem X, Y, and Z. And I think we realized the power of people relating to one another and like kind of the community that we built was something that we wanted to take a lot more seriously and kind of harness that mission and move forward with that mission in mind instead of just the funny content and the, and the jokes and the venting and all that. Yeah. And like all the things that we wished we could change in our past, we're trying to help pave the way for lady ballers now and help give them the resources like nutrition. We had no idea how to be healthy athletes in college. We weren't taught anything that was remotely, you know, like up to date. Um, and then like mental health, like there was not, we talked about this last the last time on the podcast, there's, there was not really any resource for us for our mental health and all of the anxieties and stress that we were having. And like, what else? Fitness, just things like that, where we're like, okay, we have a responsibility not only to help people laugh and relate to one another and get through their soccer practice, but how can we serve the lady baller on and off the field and help her reach her goals? Because we, it's all the things we wish that we could have as athletes. Yeah, I feel like w- when college is over, everyone has like a little bit of an identity crisis. But just because you're not in college doesn't mean that the athlete's gone from you. You still have that mindset and that mentality. So we have girls who are middle school, high school, college, and then girls who are our age and older. And everyone still relates to all the issues that you go through, whether you're on or off the field. So Something that I don't like, and I think all four of us are changing with how we're continuing to embody the athletes that we were. And like you said, still are, is this pressure to move on from your sport super fast. I just feel like there's this, Oh, like, when did you play five years ago? Move on with your life. Or, you know, you're still living in your glory days. And it feels (laughs) like this pressure to just forget everything you did when you spent your literally entire life. Like by the Mm -hmm. time we graduate college, we've spent the majority of our life working towards that goal and now I'm just, and now it's been three years or four years and I'm supposed to just pretend it never happened. I hate that. Yeah. I think that's something people struggle with big time. And I, we're very grateful that we got to kind of stay in the soccer world, or at least in our minds, pretend like we were still soccer players, even after we graduated. Cause that's like, that it's traumatic in a little bit of a way, you know, that is so much of your totally. life. It is still at, I'm 30 and I still was playing soccer more years than not. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's yep. still more than half of my life. I've been this one thing. So, and I think we'll always be that at heart. And even we always say, when you go into the workplace, you treat the workplace like an at, like you do your teammates with communication, with leadership, with everything. So we always say like, to never let go of that. Like I'm, I'm a huge believer in hold on to that as long as you want. Like, that's something I don't think I'll ever, yeah. I'll ever stop talking about the fact that I was a college soccer player, probably for the rest of my life. And everyone can just deal with it. <laughs> and we always say like our, our company is successful because we were teammates and we act like teammates. We each have strengths and weaknesses. And our goal is to ultimately make this continue to grow and be a lifestyle brand. And I mean, even when we're in the airport and our bag is under 50 pounds, we're chest bumping each other, acting like <laughs> athletes, which was embarrassing. But like, it just never leaves you. It's always going to be a part of who you are. Yeah. Wait, Shannon, that's key though. It's a part of who you are. It is not who you are. And I think a lot of athletes, especially now with COVID losing their seasons and, and not going to practice, they feel like they are having an identity crisis at the age of 12. And I think it's, it's weird to say, but like seeing the glass half full, I feel like the pandemic is helping athletes find more interest and find themselves more without the sport in a way. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it'll make the culture shock a little less harsh when they graduate college. (laughs) I like it. It's a small silver lining you can draw is, okay, well, what can you do now if you can't do sports? And this sports psychologist who I think is great, his name's Dr. Mike Gervais, basically said, if you're tying your identity to the sport, like every time you step up to the plate, 
your life is on the line. Like whatever sport it is, every time you go for a kick a goal, like if that's your identity, like the pressure, the anxiety, like the first tee or behind the line is going to be insane. And so like that reason alone is why it's important to start like recognizing who you are so that you can show up in those moments, knowing no matter what happens, you're confident in yourself. Took me a long time to even have these conversations. Did you guys feel like at, in college, you were having, like Carly, you're reading the ego book. Like, were you guys actively thinking about your mindset, ways you could get better with your mental health, et cetera? Or when did that growth happen? Not when in college. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> when <I'm> too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, after college, that's when I read the Carol Dweck book, like Growth Mindset, all that. I didn't have any of that information or education in college. What about you guys? Not a doubt. I was probably the most mentally unhealthy I've ever been during college, to be <laughs> honest with you. I think I literally oh, no. coped with everything in the worst possible way. And then I've after afterwards, I've learned all the ways that I should have been, you know, coping or handling with things. But like you were saying, like the pressure we put on ourselves is insane and no one ever stops. They'll stop. Your coaches will stop and fix every part of you from your weight to your, how you play in the field, your technical abilities, your shooting, your endurance, your fitness. And no one ever stops and is like, Hey, let's work on you mentally. And like the thing that's going to ultimately control how you perform all the time. It was never, never, no time was ever given to it. You know? So for me, it was all hindsight as well. Yeah. I I think, I mean, I forget what year it was, but I did go to like the school therapist a few times and I just felt like it was such a like shameful thing to do because no, there was no sports psychologist at our school. The therapist office building was even like far on campus. And if you walked in, you knew everyone was going to see you going in there and think, what, why are you going there? So I feel like I should have done more to help my mental health, especially with all the body issue things with the stress of sport but yeah, I don't think it was talked about enough and it wasn't made aware that it was okay to do that when we were in school. It's crazy how much is designed to help our physical play and our statistics and all of those things. Yet all of you are sitting here saying, no, I didn't learn arguably the most important part of the mm-hmm. game, right? Because if I, if I ask you in your most intense games, your most intense position battles, if you're both amazing, like who's winning? It's the person who mentally is clutch and tougher and can show up in that moment. And that is yet the thing that we're training and coddling the least. So it just goes to show how important it is that these freshmen should be coming in and learning about the growth mindset freshman year, learning about what are coping mechanisms, how do I recognize if they're healthy or unhealthy. And like you said earlier, Shannon, I think we're seeing a change. Like there has been a lot, you said with Instagram, but now I also think at least with these big time players like Kevin Love, Simone Biles, Allie Raisman, all talking about their trauma and their mental health, it's creating a new wave of sport that I really hope to see play out. Definitely. And I just wanted to put this out here because it's what we're, we're, you know, it's what we're preaching now. But if, if you lady ballers or female athletes or athletes in general are recognizing that you have an addictive personality to something, chances are it's a coping mechanism. And so for example, for me, I dealt with binge eating for years. Like in college, I would restrict myself, try to be fitter. Then I would binge the entire weekend on like chips and just you know, really processed food next week, start over. That was the way that I was coping with all the stress that was being put on me. And then maybe Shannon, maybe exercise was your go-to. Maybe for Alana, it's shopping, you know, like things like that. It just like recognize those little things where it's like, when I'm feeling stressed and anxious, what am I doing? You know, in a consistent way, I think it's very eye-opening to raise your awareness. That was my same addiction. So I feel you on that. It was just like this urge to like eat, like walk in the locker room. We had these trays of like PB&Js, Cliff Bars, like different things. And it was like walking into the locker room, just thinking about like, it was like, I was so anxious to go upstairs and play in practice gym. And then here's all this food. And I've also not been letting myself eat. So, I mean, that's a recipe for yeah, binge eating. And when I was watching your uh, video that today, I think, Carly, it was you that was doing like the chip thing while you were typing on yep. the computer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, it's funny, but I'm crying inside. <laughs> I know. And looking back, like I'm always the one doing that in the scenes, guys. Like I, there's a one, one time. You like, a cookie. And it's, it's so true. It just like mirrors my life completely. <laughs> 
but there's nothing wrong. Like you shouldn't shame yourself for doing it, but like even just raising your awareness to that and then being like, okay, I need to deal with my, these energies in a natural way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Rewinding a bit. Tell me about the development of Soccer Girl Probs, where it came from. Did it start with a video and then it grew? Did someone give the idea? How did you assemble? Give me everything. Carly, yes. Carly's specialty. (laughs) Carly. (laughs) So um, basically, we played at Fairfield University together and it was 2011. We were during preseason after like the second session of the day, we were in the athletic center. And we were just like joking around about all the funny things that were, we were experiencing, like all the ice packs on us, like all the bruises that we already had, the tan lines, all that stuff. And this was when Twitter was first starting to get big. So we looked at each other and we were like, why don't we just make an account called Soccer Girl Probs and tweet funny things that our teammates can you know laugh and relate to. So we all together like started tweeting for a couple of weeks and, and we realized that we were catching on like wildfire in the soccer community. Like people were following us and we, we were getting people to, you know, tag us on stuff. And we were like, okay, wow, this is really cool. Like people are relating to what we're saying. So we had some female athletes tell us, you guys should make a funny video. And at the time, like shit boyfriend say, shit girlfriend say was pretty popular on YouTube. So we made shit soccer girls say. And we put the YouTube video out, I think in 2012, and overnight we hit a million views. Overnight. Yeah. So when that happened, like we really were, we looked at each other and we were like, holy moly, (laughs) we struck a chord with the soccer community in a way that no one else has. And we were like, let's continue doing this. Like, let's, let's make this a thing. So um, Alana, this is when you could probably take over, but this is when people were saying we should make t-shirts. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'm a little bit older than the two of them. So I had graduated beforehand. And when we were all NCAA athletes, we had to be very private about it. We always covered like the Fairfield logos. They wanted nothing to do with Wait, craziness. this is genius. Tell me you pocketed it all and gave it to them when they graduated. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> I was thinking of a way you could beat the system. Well, so when I yeah, when I graduated. I, I could then legally start a business because I wasn't an NCAA athlete anymore. So I opened one up under my name at the time while they were still finishing up and everyone wanted t-shirts, I guess like t-shirts with tweets and, and things like that. So we were like, yeah, let's try it. We made this super sketchy website that no one, like no one in the right mind would put their credit card information into, but for some reason everyone <laughs> did. And I remember being like, guys, I'm going to put the website live and put a live and like everything sold out in like 15 minutes and the whole website ended up crashing and we sold more than we even put because we didn't put an inventory limit on it it was like this whole this whole hot mess and a big learning experience um but I think that how responsive everyone was to wanting a shirt that said like I can't I have soccer or the things we do for the game we love we were like wow people really feel connected enough to it that they want to wear it and go to practice with it you know so that's I think that kind of opened our eyes up to take the potential of just having apparel that people feel related to and like they're a part of a bigger community. And we took that a lot more seriously. And that was the start of all the products that we ended up coming out with. It's been nine years that we've been doing this. And now we have over 180 products on our website. Like that just blows my mind because so many female athletes, like they want to feel heard. And we're finding that like the content that we put on our t-shirts and our products are like they're so relatable. You know, it's like you're creating a sisterhood by making people feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. How did you guys single it down to the three of you? Because you were on the team. I'm sure there were a lot of people in the video I saw. How did it kind of become you three as the people actually doing this? It's funny. I feel like we just kept, we were just the ones that stuck with it, I think, for the longevity of it. Because in the beginning, I, we were all in the locker room, like just yelling out soccer problems we were having and tweeting it and everything. But it, we did it for a while in school. Like it was well over a year. So eventually the three of us just were the ones that actually ended up like filming the video and editing it. And we had other teammates in it and everything. But I kind of just remember by the time you guys were seniors, we were really the only three that were still consistently doing it throughout the whole. Yeah. Well, early on, we were the ones who would like our teammates would say things, but we were the ones who were tweeting it. So it just worked out and we made the video. It was great. Like we have our teammates be involved, but they would come for like a scene or two and be like, all right, see ya. I'm like, we were the ones who were like, all right, let's write this scene. Let's do this. So it's kind of random. Like 
we were all friends in college, but we were like the three best friends, you know, like, mm. but we always say we're all from Long Island. So there's gotta be something in the water here that we all had the same <laughs> humor. <laughs> <laughs> kind of crazy. Still looking back, it felt like it was like a dream. Like how did that even happen? Yeah. <laughs> and now is soccer girl probs what you three get to do full time? Yeah. So this, it's all of our full-time jobs. We do things on the side, like on the side, but yeah, it's our, it's our full time. It's our baby. <laughs> yeah. We do things on the side that like align with our individual passions, which is so awesome. Like I'm so into hormone health and Shannon and Alana are very like, they have a lot of credentials for fitness and stuff like that. And they personal train. And I think it just perfectly aligns with what we're trying to bring back to soccer girl probs and holistically help the athlete. That's great. And it just goes to show how much opportunity is there for student athletes. And I think so often, you know, people think, oh, I'm going professional or this was worth nothing. And it's just not the case. Like the opportunity, the platform you have as a college athlete, and it doesn't matter what division, it doesn't doesn't matter what school, there are people who are interested in your life. And I think taking advantage of that is so important. So what would you guys say to student athletes out there who are thinking about putting themselves online or creating something, but just need that little push? Well, I think, I mean, going off of that, when we go to speak to different teams or different camps or colleges, it's so funny how many girls say, I want to play professional soccer, which is amazing because 10 years ago, that probably wouldn't have been the case. But chances are a lot of them aren't going to end up being professional players they don't realize how many opportunities they can have to still be in the world of athletics. So anyone who's going to do that, do it. Just do whatever you're passionate about and what you love because then you're not going to work a day in your life. It's going to be hard and challenging, but if you love what you're doing, it's going to make it so much better. I was going to say, you're talking to three non-business majors that started a business. I mean, with literally, (laughs) literally zero (laughs) education in starting a business and advertising and, and all that kind of stuff. So there should be nothing, nothing to hold you back because you can learn as you go. We've learned so much in the past nine years, things that we never learned in school. And we just learned from experience and, and programs and podcasts and things like that that have helped us along the way. So yeah. the resources are out there to really do whatever the heck you want. Going off that a lot, when we, last year, we had a call with one of our mentors who's very high up at Nike. And we were kind of just asking her all these questions and who should we hire for this and this. And we're like, we're not business majors. She's like, you guys graduated from school how many years ago? Like you've had the experiences to do all this better than a guy in a suit who doesn't know anything about- just graduated. Women's soccer. Yeah, or being Mm -hmm. a female athlete. Like you guys can do that. So anyone who doesn't feel like just because they didn't have the major to do something or it's too late, I'm already a a junior or senior, you can do anything that you want to. (laughs) It's never too late. I started my YouTube channel senior year and the YouTube channel is what propelled me to actually be able to do this of course, I'm like, why didn't I do this freshman year? But, you know, you, you don't know at the time. See, looking back, looking back, it's terrible. You need yeah. to stop looking back. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for sharing everything. I've loved talking with you. I want to just end, and this is kind of cheesy, and I normally don't do things like this, but some of my followers wanted me to ask you guys, and I think along the lines of our conversation about our experiences as female athletes, it's only appropriate to ask each of you, what you would say to your younger self. Yeah. We always ask this to other people. <laughs> we do. <laughs> I think it was Allie Krieger was like, are you, oh no, it was Emily Sonnet. She plays on the national team. I asked her this and she's like, are you serious? You're going to throw me a softball? And I was like, but can you answer it? And she's like, oh, damn, I don't have an answer. But I, I think mine would be just to not take things too seriously to make sure you're having fun. Because if you're, playing the sport and it's stressing you out and giving you anxiety and you're not enjoying it anymore, then what's the point? So just remember to have fun because I wish I did that in college. I wish I'd played the sport because I loved it. Cheesy. (laughs) That was beautiful, Shannon. (laughs) I I would say for me, don't be afraid to ask for help. And this goes all across the board, whether you're in class and you need to raise your freaking hand because you don't understand the math question, <laughs> right, Shannon? <laughs> and also, like, just don't be afraid to ask questions to, to anyone at your university when you graduate school. Like, go and ask your pr- old professors, do you have any connections here? Can you help me with this in this specific field? Like, 
the networking that's at your university or your high school or your team, like everyone is so willing to help you and don't ever feel like you're stupid for asking a question. I love that. That is good advice. The one thing that I would say is, and I've heard this quote before and now I just really like to embody it. And it's, I don't even know, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of, what you think everyone else is thinking about you is not what they're thinking at all. Like you need to just relax. We have such an inner dialogue in our heads and I'm constantly thinking, Oh, I let this person down or this person thinks this thing about me, or I have to be able to run this time in order for this person to respect me. And if I just looked internally for that self-respect and that self-approval, then it would have made all the difference instead of looking for it in all these external places outside of myself. So I think we just need to learn to want to be proud of ourselves instead of have other people be proud of us. And everyone's always thinking about themselves. They're always thinking about themselves. Mm -hmm. We're thinking about what they're thinking about (laughs) us. They're thinking about what we're thinking about them. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that this week we are doing a pod swap. So this will be out on Wednesday (laughs) and then Friday I will be on soccer girl probs. So everyone is getting both sides of the action. Thank you guys again. I just loved speaking with you. Thanks for having us. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Real Pod. Be sure to check out Soccer Girl Probs on Instagram. It is a hilarious and relatable Instagram account. All of athletes' videos, various sports. The username is at Soccer Girl Probs. And you can also find them on YouTube and their website and their podcast. Definitely go to the podcast because I'm going to be there Friday. So make sure you are able to hear the back-to-back both parts. We're so excited about this collaboration and be sure to follow Alana, Shannon, and Carly on Instagram. If you guys are enjoying RealPod, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I'm so grateful that each week you come and listen. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. You guys can also text me your thoughts on the episode. I just got a number with community. So be sure to join that and reach out. It's 1-213-214-0917. Thanks again. Excited to see you guys next week. And this is appropriate. I hope you ball out for the rest of your day.